Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Right close, Jeff Mosher. Hunter Brody is busy covering hockey this week, which is plenty fun in itself, right, Jeff? But uh, but two of us are great. here to, to talk baseball. Flyers look good. But how about the Phillies? Do they look good, Jeff Mosher? I don't know. What day is it or what series is it? Because after the Baltimore series, Frank, I, I was just convinced that these were the same old Phillies and that Joe Girardi had become Gabe Girardi overnight. And um, anything that we had to be positive about, like Alec Bohm making his uh, debut, was pretty much drowned away by a bullpen that couldn't get you out. <laughs> but since, you know, they obviously swept the Mets, and we'll see how they do against the Red Sox. But I don't know what to make of them. The one thing I know is this, Frank, they can hit the ball. Real Muto is off to a great start. Harper's off to a great start. And even with Kingery struggling and McCutcheon starting slow, the Phillies are top five in all of your major offensive categories uh, and even some of your, your advanced metric ones too. They can, they're getting good starting pitching, and it's just the bullpen – you know, you, man, it, how did they enter? We talked about this, and you, you can maybe explain it to me because I don't understand it still. How did you start the year with these guys like Rosso and Davis and um, who's the other guy who couldn't get anybody out? Uh, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you, I know. You, I mean, your yeah. choice, Nick Pavetta. Yeah, well, I can understand how you started out with at least Pavetta. But, I mean, they, they had guys that they brought to camp. Um, they had guys from last year, like a Blake Parker, who pitched well and was responsible for that wonderful bullpen in September, Yeah, blah, 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 blah. So why they started the year with these guys who just have proven nothing and then let them suffer and let the rest of the team down, I can't figure it out. So let's run down the list, okay? So this, uh, from the opening day bullpen, so they had Trevor Kelly. Oh, Trevor yeah. Kelly was already designated for assignment and cleared waivers. Nobody claimed him from the Phillies. Uh, he's Shocker. hanging out up in Allentown at Coca-Cola Park as part of that group. So he's still hanging around. Then Nick Pavetta, of course, optioned to AAA. Now, uh, why don't we talk about him for a quick second? Now, uh, from, my, from my, my perspective, he came to summer camp, and they were still pretending that he had a shot to start. And I, I think they did the world, <laughs> the team, a disservice by doing that. I mean, he, if he had come back to camp and they just told him, listen, we need to focus on you being a top reliever for us, would he be better prepared for a season? Because it feels like the season began. There were some of those early spots that went to Trevor Kelly, that went to uh, Dale Lee Guerra, that went to uh, Ramon Rosso, that, that, that I thought maybe should have been the Pavetta time to come in. And, and it seemed like there was no confidence in Pavetta whatsoever. So what, what's your take on Nick Pavetta at this point? Well, I feel like they were in a rock, between a rock and a hard place because, all right, so we're talking about when summer camp or spring training two begins. There's still at that point, Frank, a lot of uncertainty about the fourth and the fifth spot. You know, they were impressed with Vince Velazquez that didn't last very long, by the way. But they I were never impressed. bought that for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but Ranger Suarez was a guy who was supposed to kind of contend for a fourth or fifth spot. He's obviously been on the COVID list. So uh, Spencer Howard was not ready at that point, and they knew it by then. It wasn't because he wasn't ready physically, but they had no intention of starting the season with him. So they basically knew all they had. And remember, Zach Wheeler, they had no idea what was going to happen with him, with leaving, with his wife being pregnant and everything. So they really knew that they had Nola and they had Arietta and probably Wheeler for a little bit, but they had no idea what they were going to do with their fourth and fifth starting spots. 
so Pavetta now he he did not look good so far this year. I think that's a a nice way of saying <laughs> that's it. Fair. What's his future now? He he can't pitch in, in like live action and in real games in, in Lehigh Valley. Is this the end of Nick Pavetta, or is he going to have to find his way back in sometime or another because they're desperate? Like, like what do you do with him? Yeah, you know how it is with the Phillies, Frank. Just when you, th- I mean, you the, the demise of Vince Velasquez has been two years in the making, and he's still with the team, right? And now he's in a different role. So Pavetta will go to Allentown. I still think he's got enough. I, I hate to say this, but he has enough talent that if he can get his head right. He can contribute, I think, in a relief way, or if he had to be a spot starter, and I hope that's not the case. But I think he's a talented enough arm to hang on to as they're doing um, without getting rid of him. And, and there's and you, again, you knock on wood, and you hope this is not the case, but if they had to fill some kind of hole in their bullpen or rotation going forward, he's there for that. And if you don't, okay, well, but at least he's there. So the Phillies better than bringing Trevor Kelly back. (laughs) So Austin Davis has not proven he could get a major leaguer out uh, departs with a 21 ERA. I'm not sure he comes back. Um, I think they're going to at some point need a 40 man roster spot and he's probably the one to go. Reggie McLean set to come back. Now he was on the paternity list, but that, that kind of took a while. I don't know the story behind that, but uh, they were ready to activate him on Monday, but they, they had him wait a day because uh, Gene Segura, they were trying to figure out if he had to go in the IL. So they, they kept the extra bat for the day after Roman Quinn uh, took Sunday off with some sniffles. Luckily, it was <laughs> – by the way, do you like that? Do you like that a player just sits out if they doesn't even leave the hotel if he's got a little bit of a cold so they, that he can prove that it's not COVID? Do you, are you a fan yes. of that? I mean, I think – Uh, am I a fan of it? It's just, I think it's the right thing to do. If you have any type of suspicion, look, I mean, the Phillies have just swept the, 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 um, the Mets. Right. And the last thing they want to do is take a chance and have to miss another week. Like you're seeing what the Cardinals did and uh, what the the Reds may have to do. They've already been through that. I don't think they want to be go through that again. So I do think that the cautious approach is the best approach. I mean, if, if you're asking me if I think I'm questioning, you know, his, his like manhood or something. No, no. I, I think in this, <laughs> in this case, I think being cautious is the best approach. I mean, you see what happened with the St. Louis Cardinals, of course, the Marlins that affected the Phillies. So it's kind of nice mm-hmm. to be proactive there. So Reggie McLean comes back after that. So he replaces Jojo Romero, who was just kind of a placeholder. I think if anything got out of control, Jojo Romero right. was starter in the system, but hasn't pitched above double a yet really in, in any way that was stellar. I think he, I think he made it to triple a last year, but no, he didn't. I, I was right. I was taking pictures of him down in Reading at the end of the season. So, uh, I think he pitched the last game of the season for Reading last year. So, so, uh, so Romero came up for a little bit. He probably won't come back. But where do you get some? Where do you get some relief here? So, Adam Morgan can pitch in his spots. As I mentioned to you last week, I believe that this three batter rule really hurts somebody like him. You know, I think we yeah. saw it this week that sometimes yeah. if he's he's in for the two lefties and. I was watching the other day, and I thought right away, like, oh, this is the time Tommy Hunter would come in. And then I thought, oh, wait, he can't come in because uh, you have this three-batter rule. But he got the third out, which was great. And then he came back for another – to start the next inning and got another out. So um, so in the right spot, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Morgan's pretty good. I get, usually get if it's lefties. But uh, Jose Alvarez still right. has an ERA of zero, right? So that's the, the – He's been he's been a reliable. Look, Alvarez piece. is the guy. Yeah, he's the most dependable guy that they've got so far, and he can get lefties and righties out. So, 
not to make him out to be um, Andrew Miller in his prime or anything like that, but he's, right. he's a guy that in this bullpen you kind of look at and you say, well, at least I have him. And then next, next, next down the list in this bullpen, so already this, this, I'm, I'm making this list of names of everybody that's appeared already as a reliever for the Phillies. It's pretty, pretty long. Um, I mean, even with the expanded roster. Um, the latest reliever is Vince Velasquez. So uh, they, I told you I didn't buy for a second he was going to start again. Uh, and so right. what ends up happening is they, they say after uh, Spencer Howard makes his debut that, that Velasquez would be uh, on turn so that they could you know, maybe piggyback. That was the word they used. But what do you know? The day before, uh, they would have piggybacked. There's Vince Velasquez warming up in the bullpen to face the, the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, are you happy about that decision? Or is this like Pavetta where there was no real um, plan behind it and, and where he might not succeed because Velasquez gave up a couple runs in his first relief outing? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think I even said this when we talked on our last podcast that I'm not convinced he's going to be very good from the bullpen either because he's a guy who has to throw a lot of pitches. Um, it's dangerous if he has to come in with people on base, you know, but he's not, clearly not a starter and you might catch him on a good day as a reliever. He's not my, my go-to reliever. He's probably at this point kind of a long man or a bridge you know, how do you – I think we have to figure out his work backwards, Frank, right? We, we've got Neris for the ninth. I was saving for him your, for last, your favorite. Yeah, and look, I mean, they've got nobody else that can be, take the ninth. I'm not a big Neris fan, and we'll get to why a little bit. But Neris ninth, you know, you would like to have a guy who, who's just your eighth inning guy who can get lefties and righties out. I would like to say that's Alvarez, but I could understand if you've got to use Alvarez in the seventh because – the team's got their two, three, four up, and you want to use them then. And then you can go to Tommy Hunter in the eighth. But, you know, again, on the Phillies, the, comp, the tandem of Tommy Hunter and Alvarez is good for them because they're a little bit more dependable than what they've got. But when you compare that to the seventh and eighth that you see on some other really good teams, not as good, to be honest. Now, Hunter, of course, he did struggle the one game. So it's not, it seems like some days he's got better velocity than others. That seems to be the story on Tommy Hunter so far. So you look at his yeah. numbers, it's 0-1 with a 6 ERA. But, but, but he has been better, right, than, than, than a lot of arms. You, know, you really look at the one game where uh, there were two games where he gave up two runs. So, so he had two bad games, and then the rest of them were pretty good. So um, out of his six. So... Uh, I mean, part of that could be just him coming back. I mean, this, he, he missed some time, and the, the reason why he was able to make the roster is uh, that, he, that there was a delay. I mean, he wasn't going to make opening day back in Philadelphia, but uh, so he's right. still kind of getting himself back together after, after injury, so he can be reliable from the right side. So him, Alvarez, uh, Adam Morgan, semi-reliable, and then mm. Hector Neris. So now Neris had a couple interesting outings, right? <laughs> to say the least. Now, I will be fair. I think against the Orioles, they hit some pretty good pitches. Uh, and the Orioles swing the bats. I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit. Mm. They've got some pretty nice young players. That um, that infielder they have, uh, Hanser, he's on my fantasy team. I can't even pronounce his name very well. But he, he's a good player. He, he kind of wore them out a little bit, always getting on base. So they, they're, they're clearly better. Them and the Marlins are clearly better than people thought they were going to be going into the year. So good for them. That's good. Uh, my issue with Neris will always be the same, Frank, in that he is a one-pitch pitcher, and the pitch that he's best at throwing, the split-finger fastball, is not a pitch that is meant to be thrown for a strike. It's a good pitch for him. He throws it well, 
but I don't understand. Like he doesn't command any other pitch very well. So if nobody is swinging at your out of the zone split fingered fastball, you need to then be able to locate another pitch to get people out. He consistently, especially against good swinging that teams, doesn't do that. And so I will I'm, listen. I'm not arguing with you about whether or not he should be the Phillies closer because I don't think that they've got a, anybody else, and that's probably the only role he can play. But I just feel like it's going to be roll aids every other time. Every time he's in there, and, it's, uh, and I've been right so far. Here's one thing I was wondering the other day. Now, last year he was not the closer when the season began. He sort of had to work his way to the back of the bullpen. It was right. supposed, supposed to be, you, you, of course, Robertson was going to be in the back end, and uh, yep. <laughs> I said a pair of pair of uh, Tom <laughs> Tommy John surgeries or Anthony Dominguez. You know, you thought yeah. that those two were going to be at the back, and then Neris sort of pushed his way and wiggled his way back to the bullpen. Should the Phillies right. have still thought that Neris could be a reliable closer this year after, let's face it, 2018, he sort of, it sort of blew up for him, right? Uh, yes. And even that year, he started, well, 20, yeah, because last year is the year that he actually, one, right? He was 2017. 20, he no, came I thought up, last year he, he went down for a little while and then came back up. Last year was when Neris ended up taking the closers role back. So that they, yeah, you're right. Okay. They, they, so they came back, ago. they came back this year and just said, the job's yours. Right. And even two years ago, um, the bad year, you said that he, he was default closer too, because I think Benoit was supposed to be their closer nah, that year. Been there. Did it would have been Neris. Well, I, I thought, Benoit I thought they brought in Benoit because but... he had been a closer. All right. Well, at least they gave him somebody to compete with. But yeah, yeah he's just look, they, they, it's certainly a position that they could have and should have addressed in the offseason. I don't know how many closers traded uh, places this offseason. I can't really think of a big name. That one, it seemed like that happened last year. Well, Will Will Smith went to Atlanta, right? That right. Was that was big... the that was the one closer, and that was a, a pretty pretty hefty uh, investment that they made too. Yeah, and he did he did have an injury. Yeah, but they but, did not financially do anything really to make this bullpen better. And they sh- and look, you and I know that that bullpen was not a strength last year. If they really felt that September was some kind of indication of what they could be the following year i think they're nuts but well then all those guys were gone i mean it was yeah. like well mike but, warren yeah. blake parker from the from the minutes that both came over from the twins it was uh jared uh, jared hughes who the phillies beat up on with the mets the other night right. um uh, who else nick vincent who's who's pitching for the marlins as well right now <laughs> right and so, that's the galling thing frank right if that's what they really believed about last year then why did Blake Parker not start with the club this year? He was part of that, you know, quote unquote, great bullpen in September. And they left him in Allentown for the first two weeks of the season yeah. while guys were getting lit up. It, it made no sense to me. That's that, that was one that really surprised me. Now, uh, Reggie McLean, hopefully we'll get to see more from him uh, coming up. But, but um, there was a piece by, uh, by Matt Gelb in the athletic about how the Phillies basically were just throwing darts, trying to see if anybody would stick. And, you know, they had those veteran players. We talked about them at, at length. Anthony Swarzak, Bud Norris, Drew Storin, Francisco mm-hmm. Liriano. None of them are on a team right now. None. Like, yeah. so, <laughs> Mind-boggling. <laughs> and, and, so they, and I think they saw them and they were like, meh. So they decided to, to, to say, all right, we'll go with the young guys. But the young – I mean, let's face it. I, I think Ramon Rosso has some talent. But Ramon Rosso yeah, was just sort of thrown in here based issues. upon what they saw – saw him throwing on the side and Joe Girardi was like, well, I, I don't <laughs> hear the other names on my lineup card. So I might as well see if he can get some outs in the middle of a game when Nola departs. And then, you know, right. they gave me the, 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 not, not the wonderful first impression, but um, he could be something someday, but, but right now, 
<laughs> this is like on the job training. I mean, this is this is this is a rough way to learn the major leagues, huh? Yeah, and I still it's mind boggling still that he was the first guy that Girardi went to <laughs> in the bullpen <laughs> in a tight game way back when this this thing started. Hey, say what um, you will, he's still there, and after well, so many have been jettisoned already. Yeah. So look, I mean, I feel a little better now. Um, Blake Parker's here. Connor Brogdon's here. Not the, And I'll look, I'm not trying to make Parker and Brogdon out to be like Lee Smith and um, Burp Lylevin, but you know, they, 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 to me, stabilize. They have a little bit of a presence and we'll see. I, I'm sure there are going to be games where they get knocked around a little bit because they're just, they are who they are. And the same thing with Hunter, uh, Tommy Hunter and Adam Morgan. And of course, Hector Neris. So this this is going to be a season long theme. But I feel like it's a little more stable, and the offense is playing well, and the starting pitching for now has been good. So they can win some games and compete for a playoff spot despite this shoddy bullpen. I don't know if they can do much more than that, but at least that. So two more things about the bullpen before we move on. So. We see that that David Robertson might have a shot of pitching in September. I thought that was interesting. Uh, he did throw That'd for Joe Girardi on Sunday in Philadelphia. And then Ranger Suarez was pitching up in, in Allentown at Coca-Cola yeah. Park, uh, where the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs play. Uh, how big would it be to add both of those guys? Now, I, I'm, I'm more convinced that, that Suarez will be more the Suarez of last year than I am that Robertson will be just, just what he was because he's coming back at an odd time, but but there's two potential arms there that, that would really make this bullpen a lot better. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about Suarez because I think, A, he's closer, and B, it's not like he's coming off an elbow or a shoulder surgery. The thing with Robertson is, and I think Robertson's been a very reliable uh, bull, you know, guy out of the arm for many years now for the White Sox and for the Yankees, but when you're coming off the Tommy John surgery, you j- your control is just not there. Um, so even though he's a veteran and even though I think he will come out okay, I, I have some serious doubts about putting him in a game there just because he's David Robertson that when you're trying to, you know, maybe go down the stretch and win games and get into the playoffs if he doesn't have good command and control. Well, maybe there'll be a 12-run lead in the ninth inning after Aaron Nola pitches that he could oh, <laughs> see if he's the got These anything. games are going, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, every game is – is I mean, I'm listen – if you're a betting person, take as many overs as you can because they're hitting. Yeah, and even Reese Hoskins and Andrew McCutcheon got their first home runs in recent days, so that's that's a good sign that maybe they're breaking out of the, out of some things. Now, uh, let, let's talk about the uh, the offense then for a second. So, Alec Bohm, uh, he he kind of changed the land changes the landscape here. Now, uh, came up right away, hit a double in his first major league at bat, which was pretty impressive. So. He was looking pretty good uh, so far. So what, do, what are your first impressions of Alec Bohm? Yeah, I mean, offensively, I think you, you like the swing. You like the composure. He's got an interesting build. You know, he's like kind of a, a tall, slender type, but he's got some, some sveltness to him. Uh, I think he brings a, some good youthful energy. I like the fact that, he, that he's not afraid to swing the bat for a rookie. And, you know, as you mentioned, doubled. The defense is not great, but I think that he's was made the – made a couple of nice plays, I thought. He has. He some nice he has, you know – it was that first game or second game he played in where there was kind of a liner toward his side, I think in the fifth inning and wound up going through and he thought he could have made a better attempt at it. That, that's look, it, I don't expect him to be perfect. Um, and, and it's been said that he might be eventually a first baseman anyway, but I, I've been fine with what I've seen so far. 
And um, it comes at a good time because Kingery's really struggled and they needed a little bit more of a bat in the infield with the way he struggled. So the new alignment now, it looks like it will be that Gene Segura moves to second base and Scott Kingery is back to the super utility kind of role. Uh, was it too soon to give up on Kingery? Now they had said to us that Alec Bohm wouldn't come up unless there was a place to play and probably not. And I personally said probably not until there was an injury and the injury was actually in center field. But, but really, if you look at the Phillies organization, they have no backup center fielder except Scott Kingery right now. And yeah. then, you know, when Roman Quinn was out a day, of course, that, that, that really, uh, that really made you nervous if, if you'd have to go for a while without either of your center fielders. But um, are you comfortable with Kingery in that role? And are you comfortable with Gene Segura at second base? You know, Kingery played that role last year, and last year um, he was actually, you know, a decent offensive player compared to the year before. I was of the mindset that keeping him in one position was going to continue to help him find some kind of offensive rhythm. Maybe I make too much of that because he clearly had no offensive rhythm. But I think we all have to be understanding of the fact that he had a real, a real bout with COVID. You know, it, it, it wasn't just asymptomatic. And he's admitted to being behind. And when you see the guys behind you, like um, Reese, uh, not Reese, I mean uh, JT and Harper just crushing it. And I'm sorry, the guys in front of him just crushing it. And I think he wants to be there producing. Uh, he, he's back into those habits that we saw two years ago of chasing pitches outside of the strike zone. He looks slow and lethargic. And so it's either the after effects of trying to you know, catch up to everybody else who's ahead of him. Um, or he's just back to bad habits. That's the thing. He's not. He's never been consistent enough for no, for us to know whether it's one or the other. Yeah, the thing you mentioned about the COVID. I mean, there's there's the battle with the virus itself, and then there's also the fact that he he came into camp that's camp 2.0 after mm -hmm. everybody else. And mm -hmm. there's a real question: Did he have adequate time to really prepare for a season? He, you know, he was out in Arizona working out. Uh, who was he? Who was he working with? Uh, he was working with a few other athletes. I can't remember who. Uh, from other sports. I think Cody yeah, Billinger might have been one, and then I, um, but there are a couple other athletes I can't remember right now, so I probably can't look it up on the spot. But, but anyway, he was, he was working out until he caught the virus, and then um, mm -hmm. that, that really might have screwed him all up. Now, what do you think about uh, uh, Gene Segura? I'm just curious. Now, he, he's, he's got this uh, uh, nagging injury now. Looks like it's a hamstring. Right now, yeah. as of us recording this, they're kind of on the fence of whether or not he's going to go in the IL. It looks like they're trying to see if, if he doesn't have to, uh, which is why mm -hmm. they kept uh, the extra position player for, for another day. Um, but are you comfortable with his offensive performance? Uh, you know, is, is he a little inconsistent? I mean, his, his batting average is, is under uh, around 200. And uh, um, so what, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Segura at this point? You know, he's one of the guys that I thought was going to start off on fire because that's how he traditionally does at the beginning of the season. He's one of those guys who hits like 3.30 in April and May and then tends to, to calm down. So I thought he was going to do that. He seems to have picked it up a little bit lately before he got injured. Um, I'm not really worried about him. I, you know, I don't see him as the guy who's going to end the season hitting like, you know, 206 or anything like that. I think he'll, he'll eventually be what he's supposed to be as long as he can get back and get healthy. But to be honest with you, the way he – look, look, I think JT's going to settle down. He's hitting home runs at a, at a McGuire-esque rate right now. Uh, Harper 
also great player, but he's getting on base at a ridiculous amount. Those guys will slow down a little bit, but when they slow down, that's when I, and McCutcheon's starting to come out of it a little bit. He had his first home run in that Mets series and Hoskins his first home run against the, the Red Sox on Monday. Yes. Or Tuesday, yeah. so excuse what, me. I, I like this lineup. Didi has been, you know, pretty hot with the bat and hitting home runs. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting lineup because they don't have a, a couple, too many guys that I think would normally hit like 40 or more home runs. But it's pretty balanced because they got four or five guys, assuming that Reese and, and McCutcheon pick it up a little bit. And then you add in Rio Muto and you add in uh, Bryce Harper and, um, and DD. And then you've got four or five guys that can put the ball over the fence at any time. And, and the results have shown so far they're scoring enough runs to win games. Now, just your thoughts on Didi. How how good is Didi Gregorius? I, I I just think he's he's very consistent, and I love his bat. I love his glove. I love his glove. <laughs> I think it's almost underrated because he's hitting home runs. But his glove, he's just so smooth in the infield, man. Whether it's the shift, whether they're normal, he makes plays. And I'll be uh, Frank. I'll be the first to admit. I said it a couple of times when we were previewing this team for seven months. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm worried about Didi. Because there's a trend of players who, you know, are okay players wherever they're at. Then they go to the Yankees and it seems like they just take off and they're amazing. And then they go elsewhere and they're not the same player. And I did fear that for Didi. But right now he's been as advertised. And um, I'm happy about that. Everybody should be. By the way, it's a small sample size. But I actually really liked how he and Segura looked up the middle together. Now, Segura, yeah. of course, made that boneheaded play, uh, you know, uh, behind Hector Neris to call off Reese Hoskins to let the ball drop uh, yeah. on a game they very well could have won. Uh, that, but that, that, that was like the uh, boneheaded move of the uh, uh, season so far. But, but he has looked really good at second base in my estimation. Now, now it's been years since, since Segura played second base. He had that one year at second base um, before going right back to shortstop. But um, mm-hmm. how... <laughs> I'm just just with your thoughts on his defense so far. I don't know if you got to see well, much of his defense so far. But decent at second third. base. I was impressed that I was I was so impressed that second base he looked like he had been doing it for years. Just just having one this literally one season that he played second base for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think he just naturally plays the ball well, Frank, uh, especially when it's on the ground instead of popped up in the air. <laughs> so I, I was actually fairly uh, enthused about how he played third base, which he had never played before. Um, and I think second base was, you know, when you're a natural middle infielder, I think that that's a little bit easier for him. So uh, all it takes. So is, would you is would you look to keep that? And now we we assume now Alec Bohm's going to be at third base for a while. So would mm-hmm. you be at this point interested in in bringing Didi back and trying to keep this infield as it is going forward? Yeah, I mean, especially if if um, well, I, let me let me think about that because. The Phillies should make it their off-season mission to spend some money on some pitching, middle relief, late-inning pitching, um, even maybe a, a fourth or fifth starter, depending on how things finish. So um, Jake Arrieta's money is going to come off the books, but they also need to pay JT Realmuto, right? Correct. So, They're also getting I mean, Robertson TV's off the making books. some pretty good money. So I, I, um, I'm rooting. I think you've got to root for Scott Kingery to turn it around to figure it out, to finish strong, be the second baseman of the future so that may, you can have the option of moving Segura to shortstop, playing uh, Boehm at third, and then using the money that you don't have to spend on Didi, even though I love Didi, uh, on upgrading that bullpen. 
Yeah, so so, so the, uh, the the money coming off the books easily spent. I think that's that's a thing. So, on the surface, yeah. it looks like they got some money coming off the books, but then that will quickly be spent. So now let's talk real fast about the NLE. So the Phillies kind of just been teetering. So they 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 get swept by the Orioles and sweep the Mets. They seem to do really really well on the the Nola and Wheeler days, of course, but it's the other days where they seem to be be kind of iffy are they a 500 team or are they somebody who could contend for this division you know i i feel like the phillies are going to play with us our our minds like you know you get swept by baltimore you think it's the worst thing in the world team's terrible then you go sweep the mets right and it's like okay you're back close to 500 you've you've settled your bullpen a little bit now you're ready to take off and then you got to play the red sox who are a bad team and we'll see what amounts in, the, in that series so but uh, it wouldn't shock me if they wind up losing the series to the Red Sox I, I think that whenever you have a bullpen that's this iffy you're going to have these streaks of you know when you're scoring a lot of runs you're winning games but then you run into some good pitchers and and then your pitchers don't pitch well you won't I would love to see them win like six out of eight eight out of ten type thing but I don't have that kind of confidence that they're able to close out games well enough right now yeah, I feel like they can only win if they're they're beating teams by five or six runs. Now, so far, the, the what you've gotten from from Zach Eflin is a lot of strikeouts, but short short uh, outings. I you know uh, against the Red Sox, going just four innings, although he struck out, I think it was six. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think the key to it's going to be whether Eflin is able to pitch those games, or if Arietta is going to look like he did in his first couple starts compared to the the Baltimore start. Um, yeah, that I think that's going to make all the difference at this point, right? With the bullpen, and then finally, how 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 deep in games Spencer Howard's going to be able to go? I mean, I, yeah, he hasn't been yet. So I mean, but in your estimation, is that Spencer Howard just just kind of building up his momentum because he he didn't really pitch any live action uh, before he came up with the big club? Or um, yeah, do we have a shot at looking fair. at somebody who can go some go some innings? I mean, I think that's what uh-huh. it's going to come down to. The less the bullpen pitches, the better, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And so I would like it really, you mentioned Arietta. That's someone I would like to see Girardi give a little bit more leniency to. Now I get it. You're trying to protect pitchers. He's older. You have a record number of pitchers on IL right now. Um, if that's going to be the case, if they're always going to have a short leash with Arietta, then they need to have a longer leash, in my opinion, with Nola and Wheeler. They've had it pretty decently with Wheeler. Nola. They could have let him go a little longer, but it was early. But you got to give your bullpen as much of a break as possible. And if Nola and Wheeler are dealing a lot, you, you just got to let them go. Because you, it, it, to me, I don't think they're going to let Arietta pitch more than five or six innings in any of these starts. So what, are you, what are your thoughts on Wheeler so far? Good so far. I mean, you know, it, he, I always say with Wheeler, you know, he's going to start 10 games in a row. If he starts 10 games, Three are going to be absolute beauties. Three are going to be like he's out of the game by the third inning. And then the other four are going to be like four <laughs> runs in six innings. You know, like that's the thing. That's always way he's been throughout his career. So uh, he's off to a pretty good start, right? He's got three wins, I believe. Is he 2-0 or 3-0? Uh, I believe he's 3-0. I thought he was 3-0. He's off to a good start. He's, doing, he's eating up innings. He's doing what they're asking. He's striking guys out. He's got good velocity. So I think he has played the role of your number two starter well. I, I was sure he was going to beat the, the, the Mets, right? 
yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> yeah, three three and oh two eighty one is the moment we are recording this. So, so yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, in those four starts, twenty five innings. So his one his one outing against the Orioles wasn't wasn't as wonderful right. as the others, but uh, but even then it wasn't terrible. I mean, he went five and two thirds, giving up three. So right. I mean that that that's a very winnable ball game if your if your bats are working that day, right? Yeah. By the way, a, a, an underrated thing that the Orioles series reminded me of, Frank, is that I wonder how much advanced scouting is going on right now, pro scouting, without the ability to travel and see teams. Because I felt like the Phillies entered that whole series with a bad uh, approach from a pitching standpoint. The Orioles are a, kind of a backwards team. They seem to swing at a lot of first pitches. Um, they're aggressive. They're not as patient as other teams, they want to swing the bats and put the ball in play. And I think that's normal when, when teams don't have big expectations or players that you, you aren't household names. And that's the type of team you want to kind of pitch backwards to, right? You want to start them off with a little bit of off speed because they're already chomping at the bit to swing the bat. And I just felt like Philly's pitchers were, were catering to them, you know, a little, you know, right up the middle, try to start them off with, with something easy and uh, it backfired. And I wonder if that's a product of a lack of advanced scouting or just Phillies pitchers just not being that good and really needing to throw first pitch strikes to get ahead. Well, well, last year was a problem. It was almost like they played down to the competition at times. Were they were they just yeah. not prepared mentally for the Orioles, expecting them to be the hundred loss team that they were last year? Yeah, I don't think it's that because I think you know the offensively they they were trying to match the, you know especially that long game where it was just back and forth and back and forth. But I just thought the pitching approaches were were questionable. By the way, the one thing I did learn uh, out of that Orioles series is how to pronounce that bank's name, right? Because <laughs> they have a Santander. Santander. Right. Yeah. Oh, is that still a thing, that bank? I don't know. They, they, banks merge every 11 minutes. so I, I think it's still a thing. Yeah, I think it's around. <laughs> I already know that the, uh, the Atlanta Braves had to rename their ballpark already because uh, the bank was for sale, and, and Truist uh, is now the, uh, the name of the – I think Truist is the name of the stadium. I don't even know. Um, luckily, awesome. actually, Citizens Bank was for sale a few years ago, and uh, luckily, the people who bought it kept kept the name and the organization. So, <laughs> I was worried we were going to see another name in Philadelphia, but Citizens Bank Park remains. So, uh, we have a trade deadline coming up. That's like the one opportunity here. Now, this is this is a very different trade deadline, and it feels really weird to say, but we are less than two weeks from the trade deadline. <laughs> Is uh, so. There, this is a twofold question. One is: Are there teams out there that will actually trade a reliever? And two, because of the scouting right now being what it was, just like you were just mentioning, is anybody going to be able to make a trade? Because like the Phillies prospects, nobody can see them play. That's true. I mean, you'd almost have to go rely on on what you already knew about some of these uh, guys before. Now, is there anybody? You know, the only teams that you look at that really stink, strangely, are, are Boston. And, and part of the reason why Boston stinks is because they, the Red Sox have no pitching. Um, Seattle stinks, but, you know, they intended to stink. And part of the reason they stink is that they don't have really good pitching either. Uh, the Angels are, are, are pretty bad. Pittsburgh's pretty bad. I don't know. Are there any great arms on any of these teams that you can think of that would come in and help help the Phillies. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I don't know about great, but there is one, there is one name that I thought uh, might be mm-hmm. the, the kind of guy to get uh Keon Keela from the uh, Pittsburgh pirates, kind okay. of a pain in the rear, uh, not having a good start so far, but he has served as a closer 
and he might be somebody you could get for cheap. That's the only type of name I think that, that you have a shot at. Um, right. There are very few names that, that really stick out, though, when you consider that there's just, um, again, the number of people out there. That, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking yeah. through the Pittsburgh bullpen. Uh, Richard Rodriguez, maybe. And, I don't know. He's 312 ERA in eight games this year. A 30-year-old. <laughs> I mean, he gets, maybe you could pick him up. I mean, there, there's not a is lot there a out starter there. starter you think you can pilfer from somebody who can play? Like, is there any a starter on, on Pittsburgh or Seattle? Or um, here's the funny thing too. You know how many teams need bullpen help, and they're all going to be thinking, "Is there are, are there any guys in Pittsburgh all, to Seattle?" <laughs> yeah, it's the same two teams, right? Anybody on uh, the the Angels who thought that they were going to be competitive? Crazy enough, they're not. Um, yeah, that so you let, can let, go for. Let, I don't know, Andrew Heaney. <laughs> oh God, that would that would be a, that'd be something if they could grab him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, but I'm just there's there's very few veteran types that are. Uh, that I see them actually anybody actually trading um, right. you take a shot on somebody like Carl's Carl Edwards jr. You know, the, uh, you remember him with the Cubs in his heyday. Uh, he's yeah. pitching pretty well for Seattle so far. That's a name that you could look at. He's a righty. Um, there's, there's not a lot out. I mean, it's, out the pickings there, are right? slim. The pickings are slim. And I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to make a trade uh, or teams are going to be willing to give up anything right now. Um, it's just a weird season like that. I think you're going to wind up having to go with what you got. So would you at least try to get one arm for this bullpen? Do you try to get two? I mean, and, and what's the I would. I really would try. I would try. I would try to get an arm who I thought I, I'd actually try to get a, a fourth or fifth starter who I could turn into a bullpen arm in the playoffs. That seems to be, you know, what, what teams do, you know, the Yankees do that. I mean, the nationals turned, um, uh, uh, What's his name? The left-hander into a reliever last uh, in the in the in the during the World Series, right? Paxton, right? That was uh, the Yankees. Yankees. No, I'm Paxton. not the yeah, but who's who's the who's the Nationals left-hander whose name was all of a sudden escaping me? Oh, Patrick they Corbin sure pitched in relief. Patrick a lot, Corbin, right? But he was yeah, still he starting games. They they basically yes, had no did, bullpen. I'm talking so about right, right, and then when it got down to winning some games in the playoffs, he came out in relief and was pretty good in that role, so by the way, uh, you, maybe you can do that by the way, speaking of left handers uh Oliver Perez, do you remember him with the with the Mets in the in the, in the late two thousands the Phillies used to rock him? He Who is still forget Oliver Perez he is still pitching in the major leagues. did you know that? Yes, I know he's pitching with the Indians, and apparently he, he was all ready to like leave the team if. Uh, all right, that, that, that was the last thing Clevenger I wanted to bring to up. Come back. Yeah. That was the last <laughs> thing I wanted to bring up for this week's show because Cleveland Indians have quite the mess on their hands, uh, and 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 mainly it's because two of the players, Mike Clevenger, which is one of the Clevenger, which is one of the their their fine young starters, very very oh, talented yeah. player, and Zach Plesac, I believe he's the nephew of Dan Plesac. Um, they decided to go out and hang with friends. Supposedly they were opening baseball cards, <laughs> mm-hmm. but essentially they left the team hotel. Didn't tell anybody. Uh, Zach Plesak got caught. Yeah. And then, so what they made him do as a punishment was they said, you have to drive home from Chicago to Cleveland on your own, go rent a car, find your way back to Cleveland. And, you it's, can't not a, it's not a that's not a fun drive, by the way. It's, that's it's that's I-80 so through cornfields, and it's just not cool. And then, uh, and then you got, and, and then you got uh, Plesac. Uh, he does that. Meanwhile, uh, Clevenger gets on the plane, pretends he wasn't involved. <laughs> Plesac's <laughs> trying to project uh, Clevenger, 
Eventually he gets caught. And then, and then please, I don't know if you saw this Instagram video he posted where he's, <laughs> yeah. he's driving, he's driving without a seatbelt and doing this, this uh, Instagram uh, story about how, uh, you know, the media is making him look bad. <laughs> and so, uh, so coronavirus is a serious thing as we've already, as we've already kind of said, but so what ended up happening is they have this big team meeting and the team wants them gone. This is their, yeah, arguably their best starter right now, maybe next to Bieber. Bieber. And mm-hmm. I almost said Justin Bieber. That's my problem. That's going to be a problem. I almost want to call Shane Bieber, Justin, but, but um, future Cy Young winner. Yeah, Shane yeah exactly. Bieber. He's going to win a Cy Young. He's that good. I uh, but anyway, um, but Clevenger could too. I mean, Clevenger is a nice pitcher. They sent him home. They basically said, uh, they basically said, we're optioning you to the minor leagues. Is that too far? And, and is Oliver Perez, who is uh, now a hundred years old, as we just sort of established, standing up and saying, "Well, if they st- if they're still here, I'm out." Like, is is that appropriate for a lefty reliever to say? Like, but the teammates got 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 behind him. Well, yeah. Although I don't know if it was unilateral that everybody was, but he certainly uh, had some presence. And look, he's actually kind of turned in. He's become like Jesse Orozco of this generation, mm-hmm. right? He's just going to pitch and pitch because he's left-handed. And he can get lefties out with that ridiculous slow crap that he throws over and over and over. Uh, and he used to never be able to find the strike zone, but now he can. What a weird career. He was great with, good with the Pirates, and he was terrible somewhere else. And he went to the Mets, and he was good one year, then terrible the next. And Yeah, um, but, you know, veterans have a, have a stay, and they have a, they have a presence. And that's a team that well, I always felt has had good leadership. Carlos Santana, Tito Francona, mm-hmm. good manager. And by the uh, way, for all of you sports- Carlos Santana, what, what could he take a bat to this time? If you remember the stories, yeah, of, right. Taking a bat to the video <laughs> games in the clubhouse of the Phillies. For all the, the sports talk fans out there, just like you and I are, Frank, and we're involved in sports talk radio, their general manager, Mike Chernoff, is, I believe, the son of Mark Chernoff, who's uh, either a president or a GM at WFAN in New York City. So, for, formerly guys like us, Marcus our spawn too. have a chance, Frank. <laughs> 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 yeah, so very interesting things in Cleveland, but you know what? They saw what happened to the uh, the Cardinals, the Marlins. Yeah. And from what I understand, the Phillies have now been the very, very good. But, yeah, they've been very, very good. And the fact that Roman Quinn actually said something when he had a runny nose, I, that's, that means that the Phillies are taking this seriously. But, hey, let's, let's face it. If, if they're the ones that are last men standing because they, they take responsibility for themselves and their health, that's a competitive advantage, right? I would say so. Absolutely. You got to do everything you can to be on that field. So by the time I talk to you next week, Jeff, uh, what, will we, what will we see over the course of the next week? Are we going to see another like sweep and then get, uh, get swept? <laughs> well, let's see. We got, what, the Braves coming up after the Red Sox again? Yeah, the, you, that, have the, that... you have the Red Sox. For, that's, so it's two-game series for the Red Sox, doubleheader right. against Toronto in Buffalo, and then the that's Braves. Right. Well, you know, Toronto is like Toronto and Philadelphia are like that Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. They've, they've both got <laughs> a lot of good hitters and uh, bullpen's kind of shaky, but I think that the Phillies have better starting pitching. And so, again, you, you got to hope that you're not let down and suckered in, but uh, they should do well against uh, Toronto, and then we'll see. All right. So, uh, been a busy week. We'll be a busy week again. We'll also be watching playoff hockey and basketball. So, is, by the way, did you think you'd be saying that in August ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Say school's beginning, but I'm drinking my pumpkin beer, and we're watching the 
Um, we're, wa- we're watching playoff <laughs> hockey and baseball. They're, Phillies never usually have to compete with this right now, so that's 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 a little interesting because uh, uh, yeah, nothing says Oktoberfest like uh, Sixers playoff basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have fun watching sports, everybody. Be safe. The virus is still a thing, and we will catch you next week. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, and for Hunter Brody, who's not here with us this week, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>